Amen, amen. How exciting to see what God's doing in our midst and the lives that are being impacted. Amen, I want you to grab your Bibles and a couple of verses I want to read. One is in the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, and the other one is in Genesis, chapter 41, and verse 14. And uh, following our worship time, during the time in the altar, uh, we are going to have uh, at least one, maybe two, that are going to be baptized in Jesus' name here today. So we're excited about those decisions that have been made to follow the Lord wholeheartedly. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 53, I am conscious of the time, and we will move quickly along. They have cut off my life in the dungeon and cast a stone upon me. Verse 54, waters flowed over mine head, then I said, I am cut off. 55, I called upon thy name, O Lord, out of the low dungeon. Thou hast heard my voice. Hide not thine ear at my breathing, at my cry. Thou drewest near in the day that I called upon thee. Thou saidest, fear not. O Lord, thou hast pleaded the causes of my soul. Thou hast redeemed my life. A writer in Lamentations metaphorically cries out from a low dungeon. In Genesis chapter 41 and verse 14, we see a very well-known Bible character being delivered from a dungeon. The Bible says, Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. And he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. The Lord God delivered Joseph there from that particular dungeon. And I want to speak for a few moments this afternoon on this subject, out of the chamber, out of the chamber. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the anointing of your spirit, for the joy that we feel in this place, for the deliverance that we know is already at work in this house. And we pray that over the next few moments, Lord Jesus, that our faith would be stimulated, that we would believe your word, Lord God. And those, Jesus, uh, that have need of it would be challenged to take advantage, Lord God, of the liberty and the deliverance that we can find through Jesus Christ. Let your will be done in this place, and we promise to give you praise and glory for it in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Put your hands together and clap to the Lord. God bless you. Amen. And you may be seated. Ten years ago, Ten years ago is when my wife and I and Cambria moved to Pasadena. We'd been traveling, and uh, God directed us to be here, and we moved here. Ten years ago, I was quite a bit younger. I was 30 years of age. Cambria was two years of age ten years ago, one decade ago. Our two little girls... Eden and Brooklyn hadn't even been thought of. I want you to think back over the last 10 years of your life, all the things that have happened, all the things that have transpired. 10 years ago, uh, Caleb, I think you were only 12 years old 10 years ago. 10 years ago, 10 years ago in Cleveland, a 14-year-old girl named 
Gina, Georgina de Jesus, was walking home from school in Cleveland 10 years ago. She didn't have enough money for the bus ride, so she was walking home. But then one of her friend's dads drove by, the dad of her friend, and recognized her as a friend of the family and offered her a ride in his car to her house. So innocent, helpful, considerate of this man named Ariel, Ariel Castro, to pick up Gina. But rather than take her to her house, he took her to the little house where he lived by himself. At least, that's what everyone thought. And that was the last time Gina was seen for 10 years. Think about that. 10 long years. For a decade, she was held against her will with two other girls, one named Amanda Berry and the other named Michelle Knight. These young ladies were snatched from their lives, snatched from their future, snatched from their schooling, snatched from their friends, and snatched from their families. And for 10 years, they were physically and sexually abused in this little house, about 1,400 square feet, this place now referred to as the House of Horrors. They say that the place that Ariel Castrell, a seemingly normal man with a normal life, held his captives was referred to as a torture chamber. And when police arrived at the home where they had been held captive, the scene was like one out of a horror movie and something that would lead even the most seasoned investigators shaken. Yeah, in the home, in the dungeon-like basement, upstairs in the backyard were chains, ropes, spool after spool of barbed wire. And the story goes that the young ladies were kept oftentimes for days in the dungeon of a basement, not a normal basement, but just a if you would, like a crawl space under a house, chained for hours, lived in constant fear of his physical beatings that left at least one of them physically disfigured so much that there is need for reconstructive surgery. When one of them would get pregnant, as happened more than once due to the abuse, he caused forced miscarriages by starving the young lady and then punching her in the stomach until she would miscarry. Often the girls, I'm sorry about the graphic nature of this, but often the girls, when he would leave, he would hogtie them with, uh, with duct tape and then cover their entire face, except for little breathe holes on their nose with duct tape. And then uh, after he would come back hours later, maybe a day later, he would just jerk it off, pulling hair and skin and whatnot unspeakable cruelty. The abused had become the abuser and he was channeling the pain of his past through his three captives. Chilling. Chilling and unbelievable. Do you see pictures of the house? You may ask this question. How could he hold these three young ladies captive for so long in a small house in Cleveland? They speculate that it was a lot to do with mental and physical intimidation. 
Daily and hourly, they were exposed to terror and psychological abuse until they were beaten down. This intimidation, together with the possibility of something called the Stockholm Syndrome. Stockholm Syndrome is a phenomenon in which the abductee begins to identify with and even feel compassion for their abductor. At a certain point, settled in their minds, we're just going to have to live with it. Perhaps if we cooperate, that no further harm and abuse will come to us. Reminded me of another story of a young lady named J.C. Duggard of Lake Tahoe, California, who was abducted in 1991 and was held captive by the Garritos for 18 years. And they interviewed people that said they had come to the front door of the house and she would come and talk to people, but never stated a problem or attempted to leave. Clearly, she did not feel okay leaving and felt okay at some level to stay put where she was. So Amanda Berry and Gina DeJesus, Michelle Knight, adjusted to their new horrific reality in a chamber of torture with constant abuse and 10 solid years of captivity, not even seeing the light of day in a place called a chamber of torture. Tomorrow and Monday, it'll be four weeks from that day when many of us heard the news that a neighbor heard desperate screams at the front door of this house. And as they ran across the street, they tried to help this uh, frantic young lady out of the house but the door was trapped in such a way that it wouldn't open because of uh, the abductor's care at keeping this place sealed up. So they beat a hole in the bottom of the door and this lady came out and went in and got her a child, a six-year-old child and came out and told them that her name was Amanda Berry. They got a phone for her and she called 911. This is what the sound of the call is when she called 911. Just want to play a little clip. Many of you have heard this, but just listen right now. She said, I've been captive for 10 years, and I'm here, and I'm free now. So as the people were discovering this, police came and the police talked to her and then she said, oh, by the way, there are more women inside. I saw the interview of these police officers and how moved they were at what took place and I want to show you a small clip of uh, the police officer's response to how it happened. Up. We, we, we see a, a crowd uh, like on the porch. Uh, we see this girl, she's like, raising her hand, um, holding a child. I'm looking at my partner, you know, is it her? So she came to the driver's side and he looked at me and he's like, it's her. Um, just the emotion from that point of him confirming it was Amanda, it was overwhelming. My partner immediately asked her, you know, is there anybody else inside? Uh, and she said, yes, Gina De Jesus and another girl and it was like another bombshell just just with overwhelming force just hitting me. As we were 
going up the steps, it was so quiet, like peaceful, almost as if, you know, I, I started thinking, okay, all we're gonna do is clear this top floor, nobody's gonna be there and, and just leave. And then you hear this scuffling, you know, something going on in this room. And it was Michelle, she kind of popped out into the doorway and paused there for a second. Within moments, she came charging at me. She jumped onto me. She's like, you saved us, you saved us. And I'm holding on to her so tight. When he put her down, she jumped up into my arms and held on to me and screamed, please don't let me go, please don't let me go. I said, honey, don't worry, I'm not letting you go. And then within a few seconds, I see another girl come out of the bedroom. I just look at her. I, you can immediately tell who it is, just thinner. And again, I just needed confirmation. And I asked her, what, what's your name? She said, my name is Georgina De Jesus. It's very overwhelming. I mean, it took everything to hold myself together. You know, I have Michelle in my arms, and then you got Gina coming out. And it, it, it was like one bombshell after another. That's when I broadcasted. You know, two out of 23, we found them. We found This amazing story of the young ladies being set free from this house of horrors, from the chamber of horrors. I was thinking about how this is such a compelling visual of how people become trapped by sin, by addiction, and by torment. You see, the enemy has his own little chambers of horrors. The chamber of horrors that Satan uses, it's not a little house in Cleveland, it's not a dungeon somewhere in Europe. The torture doesn't take place in a hidden chamber with chains and barbed wire and ropes and implements of torture. But the effect is still the same. Interesting passage in the book of Proverbs. It warns against the subtle seduction and deception of the immoral woman. Not only is it very clear upon a reading of the uh, surface meaning, but there's an underlying meaning that it's not just about an immoral woman, but it's about a spirit that would draw you into a place of despair and torment. Notice how it describes her chamber in Proverbs chapter 7 and verse 21. It says, with much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. Let not mine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her paths. That's verse 25. 26. For she hath cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. Somebody... Somebody was walking home and was innocently approached by someone, some kind person who offered them a drink, a pill, a gateway drug, some form of paraphernalia. 
Maybe it was a prescription pill. The next thing you know, before too long, what seemed innocent and pleasurable becomes a chamber of torture, a place where somebody has no liberty from the prescription pills, has no liberty from what's called alcoholism, has no liberty perhaps from sex addiction, where they find themselves engaging in harmful and risky behavior. The chamber of addiction is horrific and sad. Some of you have come out of that chamber and you can testify to that fact. Some of you find yourself in that chamber today. Many people that come from the chamber, by God's grace and mercy, can testify of the years that were stolen from them. The fact that this torture chamber destroyed their reputation and damaged relationships. Many relationships damaged beyond repair. The drug becomes their God. They will take money from their parents. They will take food out of the mouth of their babies. They will rob people at gunpoint. Normal folks, they get trapped in a chamber of torture. Why? Because you're a captive. It's not your choice. Somehow you were lured astray. And the chamber is not a location, but the chamber is around some corridor in your mind, a hidden place uh, where the devil has a stronghold, a place where he keeps people trapped uh, in their sin, in their failure, and in their addiction. Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 7, very interesting passage of Scripture. It says, And he brought me to the door of the court, and when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. Then said he unto me, Son of man, dig now into the wall. And when I had digged in the wall, behold, then there was a door. We're talking about getting into the inner part, the inner part. When he went in the door, he said unto me, Go in, and behold, inside the wicked abominations that they do here. So I went in and saw, and behold, every form of creeping thing and abominable beasts and all idols of the house of Israel portrayed upon the wall round about. Verse 12, then said he unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark, every man in the chambers of his imagery? Many people today in our world are trapped in inner chambers in their own minds. In the chambers of their own imagery, they're trapped with their conduct, with their addiction, with their sin, and they don't know how to get out. They didn't mean to start that way. They didn't start out their life with that intention. But finally, at a certain point, they accept the fact that I can't get free from this and begin to make peace with their predicament. And after a while, it begins to feel natural and begins to feel normal and to make excuses for themselves and settle into a life, a life that kills, steals, and destroys. Listen to me right now. Sin is not a toy. Sin is not something that's harmless. Sin is not something that leaves you the way it found you. And sin is not something that you control like a pet. But sin is something that takes a hold of you and drags you further than you ever intended to go. I'm talking about chambers of the enemy's torture where he destroys lives, where he destroys marriages, where he destroys families, and he destroys future and destinies. And you can't fool yourself because you're never really free.
But Jesus said in chapter 8 and verse 34 of John, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is a slave or a servant of sin. You're not in control of that thing. It's in control of you. You may have been in control at the first few moments, but now in the chambers of your mind, there's a stronghold, and it's got a hold of you, and you can't break free from it. But the verse goes on to say, The servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. And if the son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I can only imagine how for 10 years, every glimmer of hope, every sense that maybe something would change, those that are in the chamber of their imagery, maybe I'm making some progress, maybe there's a little bit of happiness for me, only to be jerked immediately back into your torture chamber, abused again by the abuser and the accuser. You can come out and interact, everything seems normal. And you're trying to forget that you're not really free. It leads to deception. Trying to pull the wool over the eyes of those that you love leads to broken trusts and broken relationships. The word in the scripture is a stronghold. A stronghold. A stronghold is a protected place, sometimes a hidden place. It's a place of strength and a place of influence. If you could picture in uh, the mountains, a little cave where your enemy could hang out. And every time you tried to come out, he was in a position of strength where he could enforce his will upon you. This is what a stronghold is. It is a place in the mind where the enemy has erected walls of protection where he can continue to torment you because of something that's established in you. It's a chamber of torture, if you would. And when you try to live in victory and when you try to live as an overcomer from that position of strength, from that protected position, the enemy who has ensconced himself in your own thought process, in your own ideology, in your own concepts can continue to torment you you and you try to pretend that you're free and you try to pretend like you can live however you want to live but you know somebody a puppet master is pulling the strings and every time you start to see progress uh, every time you see some happiness something jerks you back into the chamber of your imagery and you are tormented afresh your captivity is between your ears the bible says in second corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4 says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, letting us know that the strongholds are mental things, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The Bible lets us know that there is power through spiritual warfare to tear down strongholds. And that's what I'm here to preach to you about today. The victory and the deliverance that can bring you out of the torture chamber and give you absolute and complete freedom and liberty in Jesus Christ. Maybe your chamber of torture isn't an addiction or not a normal addiction. Maybe your torture chamber is based on anger and resentment. Maybe something happened to you when you were younger. Maybe somebody did something to you. 
and it appears perhaps to the outsiders to have ruined you because everything in your life flows through that hurt or that abuse or that rejection. When you start to see progress, you start to see some happiness, it jerks you back, releases negative emotions, anger, resentment, and fear. And I want to tell you today that you are not ruined, but there is a little chamber that needs to be pulled down so that you can be delivered. You have to come out of that chamber, and there has to be something delivered in you. And I want to tell you today, I'm almost done here now, I want to tell you today that the name of Jesus Christ is what has the power to set you free. The weapons of our warfare as described in Scripture are things like prayer, calling upon the name of the Lord, crying out to God, fasting, which is denying yourself and drawing close to God, the, 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 the biblical mandate of laying on of hands and taking authority and dominion over sin and sickness and disease. In the Bible, we see that people were delivered from unclean spirits. Luke chapter 4 and 18, it said, the spirit of the Lord, Jesus stood up and, and read from the Bible in uh, Nazareth. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Jesus said, I came to this earth to preach deliverance to the captive, that those who are bound up by sin and by addictions and by failures and by your mistakes. The Word of God says, Jesus said, I came to set you free. The Bible says of the church, it says, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Let me tell you that you and I as the church have a responsibility and a job to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach deliverance to the captive. And this place right here is a house of deliverance. It doesn't matter how long this thing has been tormenting you. It doesn't matter how long you have sensed that you are under the control of this thing. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a spirit of fear. Maybe it's oppression. Maybe it's chronic illness and sickness and pain. Whatever it is, there is power through the name of Jesus to pull down every strong hold and to cast down imagination and to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you today, in the authority of the name of Jesus Christ, that there is no mountain that is in your way that can stop the move of the Spirit. There is no situation, no length of time, no oppression of events in your life that can stop the flow and the move of the Spirit. I proclaim deliverance in this place, and I speak liberty liberty in this house. I want to talk to those of you that continue down the same pathway of disobedience. 
And when you finish your disobedience, you stop and think, Oh, why did I do that? I didn't mean to do that. That wasn't my plan. Why did I fall back in that same trap again? It's evidence that there is spiritual activity between your ears. It's evidence that you need deliverance. It's evidence that a stronghold has got to come down in your life because it's not the will of God for you to be jerked around by your flesh or by the enemy of your soul. But there needs to be something rise up in you that says, if Jesus said... I can be free indeed, then I'm going to claim the promise of heaven and I'm going to be free indeed. Let me just say this here. It doesn't matter how long you've struggled with alcohol. God can set you free in an instant from the appeal of alcohol. I'm talking about, I'm talking about, here's what God can do. I want you to listen to me right now. God can change your appetite so dramatically that you will be repulsed by alcohol. God can change your appetite so dramatically that instead of craving cigarettes, the smell of smoke will make you sick at your stomach. God can change your appetite so dramatically that instead of doing whatever it takes up to stealing from your family and taking food out of the mouth of your babies uh, to feed your heroin addiction, that God can change you so dramatically that you begin to see heroin the way that God sees heroin. God looks at a drug and sees the destruction it does on his children. Sees how, how the enemy uses alcohol or drugs or these addictions to destroy people's lives and rip families apart. How do you think God feels about heroin? Do you think God can change your mindset and put in you the same revulsion for that drug that he has? That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something transitioning and a stronghold being taken down. The enemy's been protecting it long enough, and you've been allowing him to protect it long enough. But this preacher's getting up in your business today. I'm coming between your ears, and we're trying to find out where that stronghold that's keeping you trapped to your addictions and to your failures and to your self-destructive behavior... There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, to destroy every oppression. And I know and I sensed by the way I opened up this thought and presented it today that it would bring with it an, an, an accommodating sense of heaviness. As we think about the years of oppression that these girls experienced in that house and that's what some people are experiencing even though they're living out in the open. But the reality is I hadn't come just to focus on that. I've come to celebrate that day when they beat down the door and said, come on girls, you don't have to be abused anymore. Come on girls, you don't have to be oppressed anymore. Come on girls, you don't have to be molested any longer. Come on, there is victory. There is deliverance. You can be set free. And I'm here today to rejoice in the midst of this house and say it don't matter how long. It don't matter how impossible. There is deliverance. You can come out of the chamber. A day just like any other day. A day just like the many days before. Marking time on the walls. Realizing that there's no hope. I was accused of sleeping 
with the wife of a powerful man, even though I didn't do it. My situation's hopeless, and here I am marking the days on the wall. Beard long, nails ugly, just living in a dungeon. And then all of a sudden there's a knock at the door and said, you better get up and you better shave off your face and you better clean up, Joe, because we're going to go before Pharaoh. And in that one day, this man whose dreams had been crushed and decimated and his future had been destroyed because of being maligned in his life, because of his brother's hatred, because of all these things, is sitting in a dungeon. But something was about to change and he was about to come out of that dungeon to a position of power and authority and influence. And I'm standing here today with faith declaring to somebody, it's time for you to get up. It's time for you to clean up. You're getting ready to have an audience with the king. And when you come into the presence of the Lord, you're not going back into the dungeon again. You're coming out of the chamber. Let's stand together right now. Hallelujah. The name of Jesus. I want to remind you again how powerful the name of Jesus is. The name of Jesus. The Bible says when we call on the name of the Lord, we'll be saved. That doesn't mean you're saved that instant, but something's happening. You're in the process when you call upon the name of the Lord. When you call on the name of the Lord, I'll tell you an embarrassing story right now. When I was in third grade, I was bullied by a kid in my class named Kenny, who was two years ahead of me in school, but he was still in my grade. You know what I'm saying? Kenny, he's, he like already had a mustache, you know what I'm saying? He already had tattoos. Third grade, Kenny. And one time something happened, I bumped him or something at the end of recess. Everybody had already gone up to the front and they were, they were being, uh, going into the class. And he threw me down on the ground. It was just me and him. And he started kicking me. He's kicking me right there. And I was rolled up in a ball, didn't know how to fight back. Would have been hopeless anyway. He already had like real muscles. He's a third grader. He was a bully. I'd like to meet him today because I'm pretty sure he's not as big as me now. Amen. Never mind. Uh, and, 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 and there while I was laying on the ground, I looked over. And I saw Scott. Scott Ball. A young child that went to church with me. Who was a year ahead of me. And was one tough dude. Running out there with a look on his face could. Next thing I know, he had shoved Kenny about 10 or 12 feet. And I'll never forget that sense and that feeling when I looked over and saw Scott running my direction. Something registered in my mind. I don't think I'm going to get kicked again. I think this ugly episode is about to end. And the abuse is getting ready to stop. God's getting ready to set somebody free in this place. Call on the name of the Lord. 
God, I can't handle this anymore. Jesus, I can't deal with this any longer. Jesus, call on the name of the Lord and he's going to show up. I promise you one thing right now. You're not going to have to fight that battle on your own. Somebody needs to get down to business and shout unto God and say, Jesus, I need you. Call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. You know, this is awesome. In the, in the waters of baptism, through the power of the name of Jesus, the Bible says we are circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands. What does that mean? That means when you commit yourself to follow Jesus, when you repent, the blood of Jesus kills your old nature. You join with the blood and say, I'm not going to be that person anymore. Somebody needs to pray that prayer, pray that prayer of repentance. I'm not that person anymore. I'm putting that person that, 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 that used to work in this body to death so that Jesus Christ can live through me. But guess what happens then? It's so awesome. Even though the old nature is dead, it's still connected to you and it can still corrupt you. But something happens when you get in the waters of baptism. The Bible says that when we are buried with him in baptism, we are circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands. A circumcision made with hands is a surgical procedure that is a cutting away of flesh, unnecessary access flesh. Circumcision of the heart is a spiritual surgery that happens on the inside. You got to get this now. Because of obedience and through the power of the name of Jesus, there is a cutting away of that old sinful nature. The old sinful nature that even though you put it to death is still connected and corrupting you as you live has got to be separated from you. And when you go into the waters of baptism, the Bible says we are buried with him in baptism. Just like Jesus was buried, the old person went in the tomb and a new person came out. This is what happens in the waters of baptism through the power of the name of Jesus Christ. You go into the waters with that old nature dead but still connected. But in the waters, there is a surgical procedure not made with hands. It's called circumcision of the heart. And that old sinful nature is cut from you and when you come out of the water it's the new creature and the old sinful flesh the body of sin stays buried in the water that's the power of the name of Jesus and there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain if we could come to the front right now I just feel I feel God in this place I feel his touch I feel his presence and I feel deliverance in this place hallelujah hallelujah I feel like hopelessness this a feeling of hopelessness that some of you carried in here with you is getting desperate right now because it's about to be vanquished out of this house and it's going to be replaced by great hope and great faith in Jesus name that's it. Hallelujah. here today and you need supernatural deliverance maybe it's an addiction maybe it's a behavior that just, keep, just keeps happening over and over again maybe it's abuse but maybe you're the abuser 
Maybe you can't control your anger. And you see yourself doing things that shame you. And you realize when I was preaching today that there's a stronghold there that's allowing you to act like that. Conduct yourself in that manner. And you're like, I'm called of God. I know God's given me his Holy Spirit. I know he has a plan and a purpose for my life. But I've got to get this issue dealt with. I've got to have this stronghold come down. I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus here in a moment. And I want you to lift up your hands and begin to praise the Lord. And I want you just to call on him. Say, Jesus, I'm tired of this. I'm sick and tired of this, and I need deliverance. I need fresh hope. In the name of the Lord, I want to walk in victory. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ hath made us free from the law of sin and death. Some of you, the law of sin is reigning in your bodies right now, but there is uh, hope through the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Lift up your hands right now because here comes deliverance in this place. In the name of Jesus right now, we take dominion and authority over every stronghold that keeps people trapped in their mistakes and failures and shortcomings. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we speak, Lord God, and we desire to cast down imagination in every high thing that has exalted itself against the knowledge of God in my life. Bring in captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ in the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. Reach over and pray with somebody right now because something's getting ready to happen in this place. There's power in the name of Jesus. There is power Somebody cry out to him right now. Some of you that are struggling with an addiction, cry out to him right now. I've seen it happen too many times to know, to know that God answers prayer. Just cry out to him. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I pray. Deliver. Give me strength. Let me be victorious. Change my mind. Tear down this stronghold. Let me walk and live in victory, Jesus. There's power in the 
While you continue to pray, I want to speak specifically to some things here right now. There are, there are some people, you're here today, and you have a problem with lying, not telling the truth. You're a chronic deceiver. You're a chronic deceiver, and you know you have destroyed credibility with people. But in the name of Jesus, I believe that God is going to change somebody today in this house. And I'm not going to ask you to identify yourself, but you've, been, you've fallen prey to misleading people, lying, fabricating stuff become a stronghold reach the point that you don't even recognize it anymore you just live with it but in the name of Jesus there's getting ready to be deliverance for somebody from a lying spirit that causes your tongue to speak non-truth in Jesus name somebody else it's stealing taking things that don't belong to you the devil has convinced you that it's okay it's not okay the Bible lets us know that liars and thieves will have their part in the lake of fire. And you need deliverance today. But there's deliverance in this house through the power of Jesus to change your mind and change your spirit in the name of the Lord. I'm going to pray for these things in the name of the Lord Jesus. There's deliverance in this house. I pray, Lord God, for that person right now who has lied repeatedly and they've convinced themselves that they're just a liar. They're not a liar. They're a child of God who's trapped. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you would set them free right now, Lord God, that they would no longer lie, but that they would speak the truth only in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I pray, Lord God, for the one that has a problem with stealing something happened years ago and it's introduced this behavior in their life it's their chamber of torture but in the name of Jesus I command them to come out of the chamber of torture and this mindset that allows it let it be flipped upside down and let deliverance enter their spirit right now lift up your hands right now all across this place lift up your hands
going to make the devil mad right now because I'm going after another chamber. I feel prompted in the spirit. This chamber is a torture chamber for many believers. And this is where the devil works in your mind. It is a place where the devil seeks to convince you that God's not pleased with you. That God hasn't accepted you. And so you try to perform your way to the place to where God will accept and love you. You try to impress other people and you try to get affirmation from other people. It's a stronghold that the enemy sets up in your mind. And I'm ready to tear it down with God's help right now through the word of God. You are not saved by acts of righteousness. You are saved by the work of the cross. And Jesus Christ loves you. How do you know that? Because you are a child of God. And nobody is going to hate their children. God loves you. And God has embraced you. And God is accepting you. No, I'm not telling you that God accepts your sin. But God has accepted you as a person. And he's going to give you power to live victorious. If the enemy has convinced you in your mind that your failures have made you unacceptable to God, that he doesn't love you, it's a stronghold from which the enemy can pull you in and torture you. But in the name of Jesus, I want you to understand that you are loved of God. You are favored of God. And God's going to give you the strength. Uh, and you need to let that stronghold fall down in your spirit right now and recognize that God's on your side. He is for you. He loves you. Amen. He understands your frailty. And he's going to give you power to be victorious. So I want you to lift up your hands and thank God for that right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Amen. I, I, I'm not going to belabor this, but I'm going to speak. I'm going to speak specific words right now, and we're going to take dominion over addictions, nicotine addiction first. I'm going to speak a word, and I want you to receive the word. I'm going to speak a word over those that are addicted to alcohol that have a problem with alcohol. We're going to speak deliverance for that. I'm going to speak a word of deliverance for those that have uh, any other addictions to substances, whether controlled or or prescription substances. But I'm going to speak a word in Jesus' name, and I'm going to pray deliverance over it right now. First of all, it's for those that have nicotine addiction. In the name of Jesus Christ right now, I take dominion and authority, Lord God, over any tormenting spirits that continue this process in someone's life, a process that is destroying their health. In the name of Jesus, I bind it up right now in the name of the Lord. And in the name of Jesus, I speak that it be cast down and that authority, Lord God, in their life will go back to them. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command them to be free in the name of Jesus. Change their mind. Change their thinking. Deliver them right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I pray for those right now, Lord God, who become a follower of Bacchus, the God of wine. And alcohol is in control in their life. I pray for those that think that they're still in control, but they're down a pathway of addiction with alcohol. I pray for those that are fiddling around with it, messing with it. In the name of Jesus right now, I take dominion and authority over the lies of the enemy regarding alcohol. And I bind it up in the name of Jesus. And in every life, I command deliverance. I speak that you be set free. I speak that you be sober and vigilant. I speak that God give you victory to walk in victory in the name of Jesus Christ. Be set free in the name of Jesus. And I speak, Lord God, to those who have addictions to controlled substances or prescription drugs, whether it be meth, crystal meth, cocaine, heroin, marijuana. I speak, Lord God, to those that are addicted to prescription drugs, painkillers, other forms of amphetamines. In the name of Jesus, we bind up the spirit right now in this place on those, Lord God, who are struggling with that addiction and their life's out of control. In the name of Jesus, I speak to that stronghold and I command it to be cast down. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I speak victory, Lord God, and I speak deliverance into lives today. In the precious name of Jesus, that they would come out of the chamber, that they would come out of the stupor, that they would come out of the smoke, and they would be the person you intended for them to be. I speak this with the power and the authority of the name of Jesus. Right now, let them be set free. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Anybody been delivered by the hand of the Lord? Do I have a witness in the house? Anybody been delivered by Jesus? Had it not been, had it not been for an old rugged cross. Praise God. 
Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would go with us today. Keep your hand upon us. Help us to have a wonderful week, Lord God. Let us grow in you. Prayerfully, Lord Jesus, with our conduct, Lord God, as becometh Christians, yielding our members as instruments of righteousness unto God. I pray in the name of Jesus that you bless our Tuesday night meeting when we gather together for setup and prayer and practice on Saturday, Lord God. Let your anointing be upon it in the services next week. Uh, in every life, Lord God, let victory begin to manifest itself. We pray in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said amen. Praise God. God bless you in the name of the Lord. I encourage you to greet one another.